Hello, Rejects. I'm Brent. <laughs> I'm Dave. Welcome to Rejected Central. This is part two of the bell curve of rejection, where a life starts rejected, rises above that rejection, and then later descends right back into rejection. Mm. Our first installment was about Charlie Chaplin, and today we're going to look at an athlete who, if Wikipedia had a page about the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows, and the strangest of the strange, you might find this athlete there. There's probably a page about that, actually. <laughs> it's true, actually. I <laughs> thought I was being clever, but you're right. It probably is. <laughs> so who are we talking about? Uh, I think it's safe to say that this person is one of a kind. Incredible basketball power forward, media darling and villain, and BFFs with a certain North Korean dictator despot, and <laughs> perhaps an American one as well. <laughs> yeah, that was a Trump joke. Oh, yeah, just thought subtle. I'd throw that out there. Subtle. Yes, absolutely. Uh, a pop star once offered him $20 million to get her pregnant. He dabbled in professional wrestling because, well, why not? <laughs> and he campaigned for our good, stable friend Kanye West's presidential <laughs> bid. You can't not notice him. <laughs> We always try to have a rejection story at the start of the show from our guests, but it's just you and me today. So mm. I decided to grab a little tidbit from the internet and reached out to the person who made the tweet for permission to share this. So uh, the person is Frances Klein, and she's a writer and editor of the Southern Humanities Review. Here is the tweet. New rejection level unlocked. Quote, we are grateful for the confidence you have demonstrated in sending your work. Unquote. I know. It, it's, it's, uh, it's delicious. Um, no offense to Francis who had to suffer through it, of course. But the first part, that, that new rejection level unlocked sort of <laughs> made me laugh. Uh, how about that second part, though? We're grateful for the confidence you've demonstrated in sending your work. Dave, what do you think that means? It's, uh, it's, like, a, it's like a virtual pat in the head. Good for you. <laughs> Kudos. I like that. Yes. Virtual pat on the head. Kudos. Um, it also, in an unspoken way, criticizes the work itself, doesn't it? It's very, it's You're pretty confident clear. for putting this out there. <laughs> and, and this is a person who can write clearly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a writer, I start to recognize when people actually have craft and, and she clearly does. And to have it received this way, it's just a I guess a masterclass in editor passive aggressive rejection, right? Like we're not telling you your work is bad or we think it's bad, but it's bad. We're just going to allude to it. We're going to allude to it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Francis, for that. That was great. All right. So are you ready for this, Dave, talking about our athlete? Uh-huh. Let's do it to it. Okay. Dennis Keith Rodman, and before we started recording, Dave clearly has strong feelings <laughs> about the middle name Keith. Um <laughs> Dave, you want to share a little bit about why Keith <laughs> landed that way to you? It's illogical. I, I don't know why. I, I just think Keith's the worst name. Like, like. No offense to all Keiths out there, because yeah, yeah, I'm well, sure we know some really nice ones. Yeah, we do. Actually, it's my, my best friend's middle name. <laughs> Maybe that's where it comes from. Ah, uh, that's why. It's probably because it's probably just a shot at my. Brother. There's some there's some complication there factors some, yeah. there. Yeah, him and okay. I are very complicated. <laughs> all right, Dennis Keith Rodman. So we're talking about Dennis Rodman here. Was born in Trenton, New Jersey on May 13th, 1961, the son of Shirley and Philander, I hope I'm saying that right, Rodman Jr. His dad didn't stay around and liked, uh, how do you say, we sow his oats. Popular According guy. to the dad, 
the bio dad that is. Mm-hmm. Rodman refuses to call him father, so f- we probably won't either. <laughs> uh, Dennis either has 26 or 28 siblings, but Rodman himself says that he's the oldest of 47 children. Uh, let's pause there for a moment. What, uh, what do you think about that number? Well, any of those numbers. Um, well, you can't see my face because I'm a little frozen at the moment. Let me describe his face. His face. <laughs> I mean, that's an entire yeah. football team, right? 47 children. That's, an, that's literally an entire football team. CFL, NFL. That's wow. a lot. Offensive, defensive lines. Everybody. Coaching staff. Yeah. <laughs> Trainers. <laughs> Water person. You Front know. office staff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure Rodman would have thought of it that way, actually. <laughs> I do know, actually, I do know that you know, in terms of the family business, if we're going to make that awkward segue, <laughs> but his two sisters did really well in basketball as well. Mm-hmm. And one of them later became his agent too. Wow. Anyway, that, Rodman, that's, that's a really loose connection. The Rodman I was Rough just, Riders. I was just bragging that I knew yeah. something there. That's nice. Yeah. That's a, that's an incredible number. Wow. Now there's always a delicate area when you start talking about the number of children that men have. There's always a lot of factors that go into it, but I'm just going to say that's a lot of kids. And as a guy, I'm going to say it's not entirely responsible. It's a titch irresponsible. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say that, that uh, as a dad, especially that trying to imagine much less, because there's such a responsibility involved. It's more than just making babies. There's mm-hmm. so much more, mm-hmm. I think. This is, that's my disclaimer in my humble opinion, right? Right. Yeah. The rejected central spicy take today. <laughs> I like that too. I should make that a regular feature. Yes. Today's spicy take. Uh, he was, Rodman was really attached to his mom though, mm-hmm. uh, who worked four jobs to oh, support gosh. Dennis and his sisters. And there was a lot of basketball clearly mm-hmm. in that childhood, both sisters and Dennis who were very close. Uh, Dennis was a real shy, awkward kid. Apparently mm-hmm. I get that really well. Uh, and uh, they all kind of ended up in basketball. So in that sense, that childhood, that stability, it's clear they were able to play a lot of ball. Yeah. On the other hand, though, he didn't really get much notice with basketball, right? Because mm-hmm. he was, you know, he rejected from high school basketball teams. And yeah, that's, that's tough. Because, yeah. I mean, we, we look back, he was 5'11 uh, in his last year of high school, which isn't short. That's actually quite tall for a basketball or for a for, for a, a regular school. person. Yeah, five eleven is pretty good. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I think of the people I went to school with, but of course we're here in Canada, uh, which although people like to call it a basketball mecca, uh, suburban Ottawa. Growing up, where <laughs> it really wasn't. And so five eleven was tall, and we had maybe one or two guys in my high school who were taller than six feet. Wow. Yeah. I know nowadays it's probably, you know, people eating their Wheaties and drinking their milk has resulted in lots of really tall people. All that fluoride in the water. You know how it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And we say nothing but good things about all that fluoride and milk and (laughs) Wheaties being eaten. But uh, I'm five foot eight, so I have a unique take on this. I'm not tall. True confessions. We are average height. We are. We are of, I'm on the lower end of average, if, <laughs> depending on where. As a Dutch person mm. of Dutch heritage, I'm definitely on the low end of, air, ah, of average. Yeah. yeah. No. Dutch people are really tall. He did have a growth spurt um, after when he was working at the airport, though. He, had, he took a job after high school working at the airport. And he had an incredible growth spurt, eight inches. What? And so he suddenly found himself no longer five foot 11, but six foot seven. Amazing. And it says something that I never really saw, like I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly casual basketball observer, but mm-hmm. I, I never really thought of him as a really big guy on the court. Yeah. 
You know Same. what I mean? I think it's probably because as a power forward, he was around so many tall center forwards, right? Just mm-hmm. they made him look really, really small. Yeah. Which of course he's not. He's a full foot taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and this was at 21, right? Like that's, uh, he had a late growth burst too, right? Like that was late. Yes. Like after I was high fully school. my, I was five foot eight from the time I left grade school into high school. I don't think I had a growth like, spurt. Who grows that much after you've stopped growing? That'd be an interesting thing to look at. Like how many basketball players and now volleyball, volleyball players, like they're really tall. Mm-hmm. That late growth spurt, I wonder. Basketball biographies are full of uh, athletes growing like three to five inches over the summer. They do, but it's usually you know? in high school when when they're already involved in the sport. I, I wonder how unique it is that that Rodman's growth spurt happened basically when he. You'd almost expect him not to have too many opportunities after leaving high school, mm-hmm. right? Because they're usually scouted coming out of high school, oh, yeah. so they can go to college ball and all that stuff. Uh, he didn't like his new body, though. Being an awkward five foot eleven person would make it harder on you being an awkward six foot seven person well and you think of you think of kids going through puberty when you get that growth spurt how awkward that is Mm -hmm. much less when you're already kind of established as a human much later in life suddenly getting this massive growth spurt that would be incredibly awkward (laughs) especially for a a 20 year old uh 21 year old we'll call him a kid because we're in our we're in our 50s now so i can call him a kid but (laughs) are we supposed to admit that okay Cut that out. I just but, turned 50. So yes, I admit it. Yeah. So, I mean, being an awkward person at average, of, of just above average height to a tall, ugh, I couldn't imagine how much that played with him. Yeah. He did decide to get back into basketball though. I mean, I guess that came out of it. He, I, I can't really say that actually. Did he, was he still playing? I guess. I mean, he wasn't, he hadn't been scouted. He hadn't been no, drafted. Not at all. Recruited by any of the colleges. How much did he... All right, we'll ask him next time we talk next to him. Let's ask him how him. much yeah. how much basketball he was playing. Well, he was quoted as saying like before that growth spurt, he could even do a layup. So I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't good enough for his high school team, right? Like he couldn't even do a, a regular layup. Which that's incredible in basketball. Is a pretty you, basic move. You do like I'm sure he could play a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I mean, that people who are naturally athletic often can do the job. But that really says something, yeah. right? That he wasn't noticed at all. And that suddenly the growth spurt, um, it would be really interesting to get his perspective on the work he was doing at the time in terms of what skills he was developing, eh? Yeah. And then came the Detroit Pistons. Yep. Yep. Drafted. Uh, he threw his hat in the ring at 87. 87. 87. And was drafted by... Uh, and this is actually, we were talking about this before we started recording as well, that the Netflix documentary, the sublime mm-hmm. Netflix documentary, I think we've talked about it a little bit before as well. The Last Dance goes into, uh, you get a glimpse of this team, the Detroit Pistons under... Chuck Daly. Thank you. Yes, Chuck Daly. Just their physical, brutal bullying style of basketball mm-hmm. and how the Chicago Bulls were, at least at first, kind of stymied by that right yeah. they were not they didn't do well in the first few times they played against that style no success against detroit no. until much later on and then rodman was part of that team that gave the bulls such a difficulty great 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 documentary can't recommend it highly enough and then so rodman as a result he helped take the pistons to the playoffs right yep yeah and that's where we see the bulls in that documentary hitting them for the first time yeah getting, sort of- getting their clocks absolutely clean too so we have a, a basketball life that's happening now for Dennis. 
Um, I'm going to call him Dennis because, yeah, you know. we're on a first name basis. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so I have to confess, it's not a true bell curve we're mm-hmm. talking about here. I guess if we're looking at the shape of a bell, uh, the top is usually rounded, but we're going to make the top a little bit jagged because at <laughs> the top of his career and, you know, NBA stardom, money he was pulling in, the media appearances, we tend to think of that as a high point in a purer sense where it's just high. Mm-hmm. But Rodman... He had lots of highs and lows when he was up there. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to flatten the top and we're going to make it a little bit rough for our bell curve. I hope the listeners are okay with that. <laughs> so the first uh, bump in the road, I'm going to pick one, uh, what he said about Larry Bird. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, Dave, tell us a little bit about Larry Bird for our listeners who don't know who he is. So Larry Bird... Does um, anyone not know who Larry is? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I know a lot of... Uh, uh, everybody in basketball, and I'm sure the casual people know who Larry Bird is. He was uh, played for the Boston Celtics, um, late '70s into the early '90s, and was genu- genuinely probably, I guess you know, in the '80s it must have been fun to debate you know Bird and Magic all the time. You know who's who's the greater player mm-hmm. until a certain guy from the Bulls showed up around the mid '80s. But it must have you know a little back and forth. Gee, who might, who might that have been? <laughs> I can't think of the name. Larry Bird. Larry Bird <laughs> has this um, reputation for being an absolute. Um, I hate to use this word, but unit on the, on the court, like he could, he could, he could trash talk you. He could make you feel like a small person and he could also score on you at any time. Yeah. He did a whole game left-handed just to piss left-handed, somebody off, right? Just to, just to show it. Just to mess with somebody. Yeah. Like he was an absolute, he was probably the epitome of a trash talker. Oh and, yeah. And, 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 and if and you MVP ever want to have a fun rabbit hole on the internet, oh my gosh. go to former basketball, other yeah. players talking about what he said. Mm-hmm. And it is wildly entertaining yeah yeah so you don't want to be he was a real find a podcast friendly word he was a real a-hole yeah on the court to other players kind of was like he took trash talk to a level that was personal yeah it wasn't just people because other other times like even in the last dance you can hear about people giving each other a hard time they're chirping each other but you know when you when you say chirping people generally walk away from that and they can laugh about it after the game but no no larry bird was he hit Harsh. you in the heart. He hit you in the heart. He did. He didn't care. He was ruthless. So Rodman evidently um, <laughs> wasn't wasn't very fond of Bird. Yeah, Rodman had this to say about Larry Bird. He said, Larry Bird is overrated in a lot of areas. Why does he get so much publicity? Now, if there's any word that we don't often hear about <laughs> Larry Bird is overrated. No. Because he was phenomenal. Is phenomenal. I'm sure he can still play. <laughs> he is, might still be able to beat us. That is that is a comment by Rodman to get into Bird's head because chances are Bird got into his head earlier, and he's doing it through the media. Oh, right? that's what you think it is. That's all I think it is. I think yeah. it's, I think it's just trash talk. There's no way. I, I bet you in his head he probably wanted he wanted to see if he could get to him. If if he, I think Rodman wanted to see if he could get to him. I that's think that's all it is. Interesting theory because that's because nobody <laughs> there is nobody in the NBA then or now who thought he is overrated. There's no, no way. That's true. And I mean, I mean, Rodman is known for, how shall we say this? His unfiltered. <laughs> he says things, doesn't he? Commentary. He says things. Oh, so. watching the last dance. Of course, the, and then the last dance, they, they interview players in the present day, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just listening to Rodman and the things he just, yeah, just say things, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It probably makes sense to him. If we're going to talk about Rodman's eccentricities. You know, and and the comment in the media about Larry Bird would certainly fall under that lack of a filter that I was talking about. 
the, the team, how does a team deal with that? Like how would the, and I guess at the time, at that time, was he with the Bulls when he was talking about Larry Bird? I don't, I don't know that. That specific feels more like uh, that in the, in, how do I say this? He was definitely with the Pistons then because by the time Rodman got to the Bulls, Bird had been retired for some time. Okay. okay. So he was definitely a Piston. Oh, that's that good. That's comment, good timeline clarification. So yeah. we know from the last dance that Phil Jackson gave Rodman a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Jackson was really good at reading his players and helping them develop their own inner strengths, right? And so he recognized that Rodman needed a certain amount of freedom. How did Chuck Daly, are you aware like of how Chuck Daly would have dealt with that on the Pistons or was it just part of the whole persona of that rough team? So having Phil Jackson as the coach of the Bulls um, was probably the best thing that could have happened for Rodman because um, Jackson sort of thought, he, he thought at a different level too. He was, he was very, uh, he was into a lot of um, indigenous philosophies. He's a very spiritual guy. So he understood I think he understood Rodman in a way like he he doesn't think like everybody else. Well, and and if if we're on the Rejected Central podcast, people did not accept him for that, right? They right. just dismissed him as being a bit loony, mm-hmm. right? They didn't they didn't look at that. I think that's really gracious of you to say that he's a spiritual guy, but I would you know judging by what people were saying at the time, not many people were that gracious. But Chuck Daly, no, Chuck Daly, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm certain that's why he ended up leaving the Pistons because he wouldn't put up with that stuff. Right. He was, I feel that Daly was more of a, uh, a drill sergeant. You know what I mean? He, he was that sort of authoritative figure where it was yeah. kind of his way or no way at all. And there's no way a free thinking, free spirit, free spirited thinking person like Rodman, they, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have gotten along. There's okay. no way. Okay. Well, that's helpful. I have to say that after watching The Last Dance, and again, this highlights that my exposure and knowledge of Rodman was extremely, and it's still very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I was purely exposed to the media stuff at yeah. the time, right? I was alive then, of course. I have to admit that again. Uh, <laughs> and aware so. <laughs> of, of things like his affair was with, with various people and, and all of the things he was saying in the media. I just had a very one-sided view of who he was and is. Mm-hmm. The Last Dance gives me a lot more sympathy for that, for, for him. Sure. Um, looking at the way that he cultured his personality and curated this public persona, mm-hmm. I, I'm actually a lot more sympathetic to him. I have to say, I, I'm not going so far as to say that he shouldn't be held accountable for the things he needs to be held accountable for, but I am a lot less judgmental than I once was seeing the context of it, seeing how he was wrestling with his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like your comment about the spirituality too, because that adds another dimension to him as a person who not only was performing on the court or not performing on the court, performing in the media, uh, but also somebody who had his own inner life. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that we often see about people in the media. I mean, nowadays we get a lot more, right? Yeah. You can't hide nowadays. I think that Dennis Rodman, if you look at it, I don't think Dennis Rodman liked Dennis Rodman, so he created a persona of himself. You know what I mean? He created uh, like a, I'm sure there's a lot of psychiatrists out there who, you know, uh, like I said, like like you mentioned earlier, he was a very shy, awkward person. Yeah. And now you thrust him in front of the, in front of the, um, in front of the spotlight, you know, where he's front and center. How does he protect himself? He creates a persona. A persona. I, I can relate to that himself. very well, actually. I have always been introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I did my first round of post-secondary education in radio broadcasting, and that's an industry that, at least in the 1990s, had to be extroverted. Like, mm -hmm. you just had to be out there and, hey, hey, how's it going? I'm Joe Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I get that. I it, it didn't sit well with me, and so... I can admit now that a lot of what I did was creating a persona. That's a really, that's an interesting thing about Rodman that, that you would identify. Probably his form of self-care. Like how, how does he deal? You, you can imagine being, uh, you know, being surrounded by the NBA elite, how I, I can't, I can't fathom. And at that age too, all that pressure and yeah, money and, yeah. um, you know, all the, all well, the and temptations being around Michael out Jordan, there. Even like that one son, yeah. right? With the gravity that Michael Jordan's career and life and just who he was, and again, The Last Dance just really shows how gravitational Jordan was and still is mm -hmm. in terms of basketball and, and just creating like the, the, the ultimate player. Yeah. So people like Scottie Pippen and Rodman and his other teammates all probably had to a certain extent figure that out. How do they exist in that universe, right? Absolutely. Not yeah. just on the court, because they, they seem to do that fairly seamlessly. Mm -hmm. Rodman was slotted in as the muscle under the hoop in that system. Yep. But, uh, you know, in terms of socially speaking, psychologically speaking, it would be, it would require a lot of sort of mental creativity, I guess. Absolutely. All right. So we have, I have here a bunch of uh, quick hits for you there, Dave. So All right. what I'm going to do is I'm going to read something out and then you can tell me highlight of Rodman's career, low light, and figure out maybe where on the jagged curve at the top of the bell. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, basketball skills. Uh, probably the greatest rebounder ever. So I'd say at the very top. Okay. Couldn't shoot at the end of his career, apparently. No. <laughs> Phil Jackson giving him the freedom to do what he wanted to do so he could do what he needed to do on the court. Is that an enabling or empowering? What do you think? Highlight for sure. Okay. If you could control, if I don't want to say, mm, I use the finger quotes here, control <laughs> your, your coach into letting you do something because the coach is the final word, right? Yeah. That is, that is probably the tippy top of the bell curve. I think we could go low light on maybe psychologically having too much freedom may have also had an impact. Next, uh, he headbutted a referee. Uh, if it was a, a wrestling ring, it would be a highlight, but <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to say- We're going to talk it's, about wrestling in a bit too. That's right. Yeah. So uh, on the court, I'm going to definitely say it's a low light. Yep. The impact of him appearing in the media wearing a wedding dress, uh, at the same time declaring himself as bisexual, uh, and then- saying he would marry himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cover of his book that I read. Um, I'll bet, you know what, just for the sensationalism of it, I, I'm saying that's a highlight. I will too. Absolutely. I, think, I think in retrospect, we can, we can look at how social issues now are recognizing people for who they are a lot more. Uh, it, I think it probably was much more of a low light at the time. I think the media made it a low light. You oh, know what I mean? Because yeah, you know, a here, here's a... Here's a guy wearing a dress. Look out. Oh, I know. In the 1990s. Right? Look out, uh, right? Well, and it's not just any guy wearing a dress. It's one of your uber male basketball, yeah. you know, and he was also quite a womanizer and all of that too. So what is going on? Oh, the, the horror, the shock. <laughs> Self-ejecting himself basically from a game in order to go and meet Tyson, Mike Tyson, <laughs> who is our favorite human. It's a highlight for creativity, but a low light to your team. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And just, you know, let the record show that he stood him up too. 
<laughs> yeah, my, Mike Tyson didn't show up. I look at I look at the two personalities <laughs> like that, and 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 you just think, okay, putting them in the same room together, That'd be fascinating amazing. and amazing. I smell a sitcom. <laughs> but looking at Mike Tyson, how flighty he he was, and 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 flaky. Let's be let's call it what it is. Uh, zero surprise there. Right, and yeah. Mike Tyson, a great episode, by the way. That would be a great episode. Bell curve of rejection. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'll bite your ear off. <laughs> I was trying to do a pun on talk your ear off. Uh, that didn't work. Okay. All right. Madonna offering him $20 million to father. Well, again, that's a problematic word, but let's just say, uh, impregnate her so she could have a child. Highlight or low light? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that's a highlight. I'm going to say that's a highlight. It's icky, but, um, Simply because he rejected her. That's just, yeah, that's, I'm impressed though. Like Madonna was, uh, yeah, um, Madonna was a pretty, I guess still is technically, but was a pretty big deal back then. And to, you know, have her say that. I also wonder if that was like a, uh, what do you say? Publicity. Publicity. Well, he acknowledged it too. He commented very bluntly on the state of her career in Mm -hmm. response to that whole thing. Um, and, and again, Madonna is another one of those characters. Maybe that's another episode as well, mm-hmm. uh, who certainly wasn't shy about doing things in the media just to bolster her image yeah. as well. I think that'd be a really interesting episode as well. Because I have a lot of respect for her as a musician, <coughs> as, an, as an artist. I, and reading, the, like I said, I, I, I can't believe I'm actually pulling this from the book like 20 years ago. But I, I thinking about it now, that offer was probably legit. Because in the book, when they met, she called him the perfect physical specimen. So, yeah, that's still $20 million, though. It, that's I, just something. It's the money. It's the- As a person who doesn't have access to that kind of cash. Yet. Uh, well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> dream big. Dream big. We're, we're a growth mindset podcast right. <laughs> too. Not just a human podcast. I don't, I don't have a familiarity with even that kind of, that amount of money on one hand, but also the kind of lifestyle slash attitude where that kind of money could just be offered up for something like that. I just, I, know, I just right? don't have a familiarity with it. I, I can't relate to it. To me that I, I feel like that's a low light myself. Just again, I'm a dad, and so the idea of the money exchanging for that complicated in a in a contemporary sense because fatherhood, motherhood, and parenthood, for people who are trying to and want to get pregnant, there are all sorts of ways that you can use your money and your resources to help with that. So no judgment on that. I I just I think the the transactional nature of what they did. It's icky. It is icky. Yeah. All right. Uh, last one here. Highlight or low light. Uh, 97, 98 with the Bulls. The absolute highlight. Yeah. The absolute it's highlight. Too easy? Yeah. Too easy. What yeah. was that, their fifth? Did I get that right? That was right? their sixth. So that was sixth. their final one. Yeah. Sorry, Bulls. That was their final one. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're nowhere near that now, so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that that was probably well, my favorite team of all time. I'm not going to say they're the greatest because, you know, there's, you know, I, I, that's, that's the thing about... Um, being subjective, right? You know, other teams will say, oh, the Golden State Warriors of yeah. a few years ago had the best team. But to me, this is my favorite team. If it's not the greatest team, it's my favorite. Okay. A uh, future episode, rejecting Michael Jordan as the best basketball player of all time. Well, we're going to have a problem, bud. I know. I, know. I, I, I <laughs> We'll never fight, but like. <laughs> I had been exposed to a lot of people who actually debated that. And, and, and res- recognizing that there's really, I, I guess you can debate anything. Yeah. No, it's no. a generational thing, right? Like this generation will say LeBron is, which is highly, 
highly incorrect. <laughs> in my home, it's a generational opinion. thing. If I were in my or if I were in my thirties, maybe I would think that way. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the and going to football, Lionel Messi versus Ronaldo versus Pele versus Maradona versus yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'd like to bump Madonna out of there. I know he was a great player, Maradona. but the hand, the hand of God Ugh. takes him off the list for me. Yep, I know. Only because I, I actually was watching that final. Same. I was like, imagine, imagine oh, being me, a, a British supporter, and seeing uh, that. And I was in England when it happened. Let's do that. Let's do an episode on rejecting Maradona just for the sake. Yeah, of that. we should. Yes, we'll do it on behalf of our British listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just because <laughs> Rodman also dabbled in wrestling. Now, I right. I am not a wrestling person. Mm-hmm. I know. I only know my 1980s brief exposure to the WWF at the time, uh, Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Saturday morning cartoon that spun off. That is my limited exposure to it. So, (laughs) but Rodman actually did something, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he a good wrestler? He was a good wrestler for a celebrity. Ah, I'm going to say- Nice qualification. Yeah. I'm going to say that he didn't embarrass himself at all. I- Thought he did a very serviceable job. Like, now, can you recall enough, I guess, mental material? Like, you remember him as a wrestler? Yeah, absolutely. Like, he he did a match with, um, it was Hulk Hogan and Hollywood Hulk Hogan, by the way. He he turned to the dark side. And he Hollywood. was Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I love that you have this specific and, stuff. And That's Dennis great. Rodman versus um, Diamond Dallas Page, who is still floating around. He does yoga. He's, he's huge in yoga now. Diamond yeah. Dallas Page and a certain Carl uh, Malone from the NBA as well from the Utah Jazz. They had a match, and it wasn't you, you know you expect some cringe when somebody just comes in and does a match, but they did the main event that night, and it, and he was quite good because in wrestling sometimes it's not your skills, but it's it's how you bait the crowd, it's how you it's your personality, right? And Rodman had that Rodman had that in boatloads, right? He had charisma. Well, they had to change the name from wrestling federation to worldwide entertainment it was it was genius because they put him with a what we call a heel faction right so like the bad guys have like a you know their own big sort of team right they're called a new world order and uh you know they dressed all in black and they're all a bunch of badasses and it absolutely fit into rodman's personality you know you well, come, out, yeah. come out smoking a cigar just <laughs> you know just being himself and you could tell he had a great time doing it now the problem was um it's appearance was happening just as the NBA finals was coming up and they weren't aware. So when was he arrested? So it was in the late nineties, right? 98. Okay. 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 Just as the finals were coming up. Right. So, right. You know, the distraction maybe, factor, the using of your energy factor had to play in there. Perhaps Phil Jackson didn't know he was showing up. Wow. As well. Like showing right? up to practice or versus showing up for television. So like, it wasn't just one match he had on TV. He showed up for several other episodes okay. of the show Nitro. They call it WCW Nitro. And yeah, he would show up. He would show up for these things, just do some promotions with with Hulk Hogan and all the other and New World Order people. And, you know, that would be it. But like the final match, like I said, like the match that he had was very serviceable. Like I'll send you a link. Okay. I know you're not a wrestling guy, but <laughs> no, we, I'll send you a link. Like he, I think he we didn't, should really do an episode himself. where you can really wax on this because uh, yeah. you clearly have some thoughts and feelings and knowledge. So mm-hmm. he he would have been Make a great he would have been a great wrestling manager. He would have been. Oh, that he would have been a great talker. Even I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Very talented. So 
we got the highlights of the basketball career. And then, of course, his car- basketball career ended with a bit of a whimper, mm-hmm. as many sporting careers do. Yes. Um, playing in places like Finland and uh, also in the States, but with lower leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, England as well. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Thank goodness for Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I, never, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, he did. There was a team playing in Brighton, England. Yeah. Wow. And I, I have to I have to stop there. That's the limit of it. I didn't get into it. It yeah. sounds like it'd be really cool to look into, but yeah. That's not a basketball like. haven. Not Brighton. What? Not not yet. What? Not yet. They've got a they've got a they've got a pretty good football team there though. I, uh, can we talk about England as a basketball haven at all ever? <laughs> <laughs> all right, after basketball, let's uh let's let's transition to I, I this is really, I think, and this is where I most think about Rodman in the present tense. Mm -hmm. I think of the things that he's making news for more recently, right? So uh, continued struggles with alcohol uh, and even some suggestions of violence. Mm -hmm. So there's been a number of those. Uh, As I mentioned in the introduction that he shilled for Kanye West during his, I'm not even going to say a failed bid for president. I'm going to say just pathetic bid for his presidential campaign. Um, Attaching yourself to a Kanye West, not for the music. Now, that's another interesting thing to be discussing maybe on a future episode because Kanye West as a musician versus Kanye West as, as a human. Yeah, as a human being, yeah. <laughs> or as a, as a potential politician. Um, also, shilling for Trump, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about that particular political affiliation, um, choosing... It'd be a good discussion on, on how he chooses to attach himself to people, right? It's. I think he attaches people to like his perceived image. You know what uh, I mean? Like he's yeah. the bad boy, right? Like right. he's the bad guy of of bass. He's a bad guy of entertainment. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that image, and I think he attaches himself to um, people like Kanye, people like Trump. You know, who are uh, have got a reputation. You know, and yeah. I think he, yeah. I think he loves to sort of piggyback on that. Yeah. Well, speaking of bad boys, we're going to shift to North Korea. Oh. Our favorite bad boy, Kim Jong Un. Uh, of course, Rodman decided to uh, make himself an unofficial spokesman and ambassador uh-huh. uh, to act between the United States and North Korea, and it's such an interesting thing that that he would choose to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think initially he was invited because. Un, Kim Jong Un, that's we're on we're on Jong Un and we're on first name basis. Oh yeah, uh, invited him because he's a big basketball fan. Mm-hmm. He got to meet him once, maybe twice, but he's been back a whole bunch of times. A bunch of times. Yeah, is he not meeting him anymore by choice? <laughs> yeah, <I wonder. laughs> didn't even our uh, you know and Kim Jong Un who is well known for his balanced measured views on of things. Of course, steady uh, guy. Has he decided that even Rodman's a little bit too much of a, a bad, not a bad boy anymore, maybe a falling star? Maybe, maybe uh, maybe Dennis is a little uh, reliant on him too. Well, you yeah. know, good for you, Kim Jong-un. Well done. I'm, yeah. you know, not many times you're going to hear congratulations from our side of the pond, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not somebody you want to make too much of an affiliation with. And I'll compare him to our first uh, subject chaplain, you know, hey, getting to meet all these heads of state. Yes, that's true. You know, that, that's got to be a very, how do I say this politically? I can't. But, uh, you know, heading, heading it's got to be great for your ego, right? Having, yeah. having heads of state invite you to be a guest and to hang yeah. out and talk whatever, right? That's got to, 
again, misguided realms, realms and environments that I just can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, sponsored one of his Korean trips, North Korean trips by uh, this is this made me laugh. Potcoin. What? Which is the <laughs> cyber currency for the cannabis industry. Oh, it is that easy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, I did the same thing. I thought thing. that's what it might have been. I, but... I was like, really? For sure? <laughs> uh, but what else could it have been? Like, honestly, I, I know there's some pretty misguided names in the world and okay. misguided trademarks, but Potcoin, it was literally pot. Can you imagine being? Uh, can you imagine being in exchange for your services? Here's some. Here's some uh, hash coins or something. Here you hash go. Coin. You know, <laughs> again, aligns perfectly with what we think Dennis Robin might get support. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Uh, the Huffington Post actually reported on a potential link between the CIA and Dennis Rodman. What? Yeah. So Dennis Rodman is spy. Oh. Yeah. For he's he's spying on Korea, North Korea, North Korea and I guess. reporting back to the United States. That would be amazing, though. Yeah, I didn't look too deeply into yeah. it. I think it'd be fun to sort of, again, measure that. And, it, you know, nothing being impossible, but mm-hmm. the, the likelihood of that versus him just playing that up with the CIA. <laughs> I, I think we can also agree that, historically speaking, from all that we know about what the CIA has done, they love to align themselves with really reputable people. absolutely that's right yeah absolutely yeah the possibilities here i think it'd be worth it worth a discussion really interesting i'll bet you somebody in rodman's camp planted that because they would know you know hanging out with uh, a north korean dictator might be a little anti-american so i i wonder Ah, if that was i wonder if that was planted by their team to sort of soften that a bit maybe maybe i again i the 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 spy world is something that i I've done a lot of reading on and yeah, no expert by any stretch, but uh, shady affiliations is kind of the stock and trade of the CIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether it's American or un-American, it doesn't matter right? because their aims are often have nothing to do with America, really. It's mm-hmm. about America's power, right? It's not about loving the country. It's about making sure the country doesn't fail right? or propping up people who will help bring more money in. Yeah, that's a that's a good discussion to have about the CIA working for the love of country or versus whatever the other goal would be. We may have gotten off topic a little. That's bit. okay. Yeah, so Rodman is uh <laughs> his post career has been marked by as I mentioned earlier a number of things that uh kind of make your eyebrow raise. Alcoholism, a suggestion of domestic violence, mm. uh a hit and run accident, not what you like you you watch the last dance again and and if you haven't seen it, it, part of the documentary goes into the homes of and into the present lives of many of these basketball stars who were playing against and with the Bulls in the 1990s. And they look at them now. So Michael Jordan is his modern take, I guess you could say. He's sitting in an easy chair in his light bathed living room in the obviously a very big house, <laughs> always with a, a glass of something next something to there. him. Yeah. yeah. I know I noticed that. I'm like, for every single every interview. Every single scene. And yeah. he does a number of them. I'm like, hmm. That's a lot of takes. Yeah. No, nobody's speculating. We don't do that, do we? We don't speculate here. We reject but, that. You know, looking at uh those things and a lot of the basketball, the retired basketball stars seem to have that glowy. They're healthy. Yeah. 
They've taken uh, care of themselves. Successful, taking care of themselves. Yeah. They're staying plugged in. They're eloquent. They talk about things. They're, you know, they make, you know, all, all sorts of positive contributions to society. Mostly. Mostly. I, again, I, I have to add the disclaimer here that I don't really know, right? We get this very curated view of what, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But Rodman, he's completely unvarnished. Yeah. Like, he doesn't care. You can see that he is not worried about what he says. He's not carefully measuring his words, which of course is on brand. Yep. Uh, but he definitely doesn't have that glowy post-retirement view. And I'm looking at some of the things we've been talking about. He's, yeah, he's, uh, what's, what's, I guess what's he's, the word I'm looking for? It's either, it's either, and, I, and that's, that's interesting that you, you pointed out the sort of the backdrops of everything too, because you're right. Um, I wonder, I wonder if the, I mean, clearly, like you said, he doesn't care about what anybody thinks, which is awesome. So it's a great trait in some regards, but you know, like the way he was dressed up was, you know, you still like could have worn that in the nineties. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's still living. I think he's still living in some regard. He's still living on his reputation in some ways. And also, I wonder if that dark background was to show like, cause yeah, I mean, he's not a, you know, he's not a natural light. Michael Jordan surrounding, you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's just not that guy. And I wonder if the darkness was, was done on purpose, you know, for effect or something like it's just, you know, like, it, like to show like Michael Jordan, like you said, you know, Jordan is healthy and you know, he's got a scotch or something. I, I had the word glow in my mind. Like glow there's a glow word, about yeah. him and, and a lot of the other stars, they just have this, it's, it's like this, I know I'm, I'm being naive by saying a wholesome aura. Because I know a lot of them are not wholesome. Right. I know everybody has vices, right? Yeah. Maybe they're just assured. Maybe they're just, yeah. they're happy. You know what I mean? And the documentary filmmakers were happy to show Rodman as not that way. Yeah. Like gritty close-ups of him, right? Like, mm-hmm. And they didn't show him in his expansive environments and all nope. of that stuff like they did for a, a lot of the others. Mm-hmm. So Perhaps interesting those expansive environments that. don't exist. Right. That's what I was thinking is, well, obviously we, we don't have any proof. Right. right. So <laughs> anything you want to say or? I think, I think that uh, Dennis Robin in some ways pretty much was the nineties. Oh, that's a really, you know, really neat observation. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Pretty much like. You and I have a familiarity with the 1990s. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A couple of Gen Xers here. A couple of Gen Xers. Looking at that, that, you know, the backwards ball cap sunglasses he was like he was a pretty cool dude back in the day you know what i mean like whether you agree with everything he says or everything he does it's not for me to say but like honestly he to me he epitome he he was the embodiment of a of an athlete in the 90s like he was talented not just in basketball but in other areas of entertainment too like you could throw him on you know you could throw him on any show and he would probably do very well for himself i don't know i don't know how he is as an actor but you know, you put him in a wrestling ring. He, he did great. Yeah. You know, you could you could put him in any sort of showmanship thing, and he would he would he would fly. It's like he would he would have been a great game show host. He would have been a great presenter. I think. You know, like he was a he was a multi talent. He was he was talented, not just in basketball, but I think in entertainment. And I think he understood that. He, he did very well. A couple of things we can maybe end on is you can't not notice him, right? And who knows what's next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. Thank you. (laughs) 
Sources for this episode of Rejected Central, we went to ESPN, PopSugar, Wikipedia, EssentialSports.com, Yardbarker, Interview Magazine, and my <laughs> favorite, I even got to go back into the Encyclopedia Britannica. Wow. That was really fun. How 90s is that? Yeah. <laughs> 70s. <laughs> Fair. And thanks as well to Frances Klein for her Twitter humor and wisdom. Uh, that was a wonderful thing to discover. So thank you for letting us use that. And as always, we're looking for your stories. Reach out through rejectedcentral.com, email us at rejectedcentral8 at gmail.com or through social media. Also be sure to like and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews and ratings are what help us conquer the almighty algorithm. <laughs> thanks, Rejects. And we'll see you next time.